Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Completely Cricket Podcast by myself, Avinash Larson, and Zaid Ahmed. It's the first day after the Ashes has finished, and I have to admit, I am missing Test cricket already. I never thought I'd be saying that. It was such a closely fought series, with both teams spanning key chances to win the Ashes. Before we go on and look at the series in more detail, let's hear from Zaid. Good morning, Zaid. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Evanash. I'm, I'm I'm brilliant. Yeah, and warm welcome back to all of you, all of our listeners on the Completely Cricket Podcast. Um, yeah, as you said, Evanash, it's been you know what a series. It's been brilliant, filled with incredible moments, tight encounters. You know, you know, tough battles. Been absolutely amazing. It's been brilliant to watch. You know, unfortunately, England weren't able to regain the Ashes, but you know, it, it, it's two all. You know, brilliant result in the end. I, I would say. As, as usual, if you do like our podcast and enjoy um, the content that we create, then please please do follow the Completely Cricket Instagram account and like any uh, like the post of any episodes that you enjoyed. And if you do have anything you want to say, any comments and questions that you have about anything we talk about, then we would love for you to comment on any post on the Instagram. Yeah, thank you very much, Sade. But yeah, as Sade mentioned, uh, yeah, it really helps us with the whole Instagram thing and it's getting getting more people to see our podcast if you like like the posts, especially the ones you you love listening to. But yeah, we will be releasing a blockbuster, two episodes, two separate episodes about the, the Ashes. One is going to be this episode, which is uh, just a review of the whole Ashes and the fifth test. And then we're going to do another one about the future of England's bowling after Stuart Broad uh, retired, which I think took a lot of us, uh, a lot of England fans by surprise, considering, you know, he's pretty much still at the peak of his game. You know, he's one of the top wicket takers of the series. Um, after I think after Mitchell Stark and he he's been bowling really well and no one expected him to retire now like you know there was more of an argument for Jimmy Anderson retiring than Stuart Broad so when everyone was focused on Jimmy I think Stuart Broad's retirement call just took us a bit by surprise but we will be doing another episode on that um, which will be released alongside this one so yeah let's just get back to the topics that we're going to be talking about so you know fifth test well, the score was looking 2-1 before the fifth test had started. Australia obviously had retained the Ashes, but the word retain and the word win, you know, have a, have a, a different ring, a very different ring to each, to each other. And I thought, you know, I think the Australians, you know, obviously last uh, Ashes uh, in England, 2019, they did draw 2-2. They'd be looking to win it. And England at the same time, obviously, you know, considering how well they've played at parts in this series, they were not looking to lose this test and they were 100% wanted to draw it as a bare minimum. And then to prove, you know, to, to all those, all the fans watching that, you know, England are at that level and they're not, you know, they're not, they don't, they're not that team that just play well, but, you know, can't finish off and win, win test matches. So, you know, I guess we've got to start with Australia. I think it was something along the lines of like 130 for none or something like that, Zane, and, and coming into the fifth day and, and they had, Australia looked like they were in the driving seat to complete this chase and they had all, all the overs they needed. I think there was a maximum of 98 overs could be bowled on the fifth day. Um, sorry, a minimum of like 98 overs. Zane, how, how, how did they lose so many wickets so quickly? Yeah, I mean, both Warner and Quar just tied brilliantly, um, scored 60, 70, um, both of them. So, you know, I think, you know, them getting out on the second, on, on the last day, you know, early on, I think that would have set the tone um, for England, definitely. Um, but to be honest, I'd say, you know, both Warren and Quadra, they've done their job at that point. And it's up, you know, it's a brilliant platform for Lab Shane Smith, Head, everyone else to, you know, keep going. But that didn't really happen. Um, you know, Steve Smith had pretty well. You know, I think the top five 
I guess in your top five did pretty well. But then after that, you know, your sort of middle to lower order, I think Chris Wokes, um, you know, brought it right at the end, a fairy tale ending for him. We'll talk about him in the next episode much more. You know, but I think really it was just they didn't really f- like Australia, their top order, you know, as I said, did their job. But you know, the rest of the order didn't really, you know, keep going. You, know, you If you're 130, 140 for none, even if you're one or two biggest down, you'd expect them, you know, you only need another 200 or so more runs. And so, so you would expect them to finish that off. But you, know, you couldn't even think of it as, you know, Australia kind of bottled it really. You know, they, they didn't, they had a brilliant platform, but they couldn't really execute, couldn't really finish it off. And, you know, that's really the main reason they, they've probably, you know, uh, not won that final test. It was a, it was quite a, it was a typical Australia innings in the way that we've seen this series, but also it wasn't because obviously on the one hand, you had a load of starts by players, you know, the two openers had starts. Steve Smith had a, a good start. Um, he managed to get 50, but Travis Head as well. And you had a load of players getting into the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then just, you know, getting out in the key moments where they were trying to wrestle back control. And I think it's testament to England's bowling because England, you know, even when the Australia was scoring runs, England weren't letting it get away from them. They were keeping the run rate down. They weren't letting Australia do a, essentially in a way a basketball where they can, you know, just go out and really hammer the opposition bowlers. So it's credit to England. But um, at the, and at the same time, it, Australia's lower order has been, the fact that they have batting depth until pretty much 10 is something that, you know, Australia have, have really championed and, and it's something where we've in, in past, we've sort of said that England have lacked of that where they can't bat deep. But then in this test match, you know, the fact that they have batting until 10 didn't really show. They, they just folded when under pressure, when they needed to win this test to, to outright win the ashes. So that was, that was quite interesting. But um, I think, I think it's a, it's sort of a tale of this whole, um, this whole ashes uh, series where, you know, teams have had, have been in the driving seat, but they've, very easily given it up or you know made small errors and gone from a position of strength to a position of just nothing really and i think that was quite uh that was quite shocking but you mentioned um mentioned chris wokes and you know what a player he's been since he's come back you know he's i think he was a top uh, second highest wicket taker for england imagine if he played all five tests that would have been pretty amazing and he would have been and he's been bowling so well how how's this happened say what's like what do you if you if you're like looking analyzing um, Chris Wokes bowling? What what's made him take so many wickets and be so successful? You know he's been brilliant. You know at the moment he's come in to the series. You know he's been taking wickets. He's been very economical. I think um, yesterday morning um, he was I think two for ten of six or seven overs, which is incredible. You're really you're bowling to possibly the best batting lineup, batting lineup in the world and you know you're getting wickets and you're being you know, being very economical but I think you know it's really he's been born brilliant lines and he's been very consistent I think that's really um for me the main thing that I've seen um I think the way he sort of changed things up a bit you know in the sense that he might he I think De Kouaji set him up brilliantly he bowled um one ball that was he was bowling over a wicket to him but one ball on a sort of length that sort of nipped back into Kawaja. And then in the very next ball, he bowled one that sort of held its line and, you know, went away from, angled away from Kawaja, which he nicked to, to um, he nicked behind. So, you know, I think that's brilliant. I think, you know, just the sort of tactics Works has been using, he's been so, you know, he's been brilliant, a brilliant addition to this side um, in, in this Ashes series. And, yeah, as you said, if he, if he played all five tests, you know, who knows 
Um, England could have won it, 3-1 possibly. Um, but yeah, I think he's been doing really well. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see him. I think, you know, um, England going to India, I think, next year. They've got big, big test matches coming up, so I really want to see him there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I just think he's been bowling brilliant lines, brilliant lines, he's been very consistent. I mean, that's why he's been you know, so successful. You mentioned the um, the whole like the tag that Australia have had recently, like you know best bowling lineup, uh, sorry best batting lineup uh, in the world, and generally like one of the best, like the best Test team over the last few years. Do you think after this series, are you still convinced about you know how good they are? Because you know, honestly, England are good, but if you look at the face value of their bowling attack and even their batting, batting doesn't have obviously you've got Root, Stokes, and Bairstow. You know the top ball is quite is relatively young and relatively inexperienced, and then you've got bowlers. Obviously, you, there's a, until Mark Wood comes in or something like Josh Tong, you've got a lack of pace. You know, there, there's issues everywhere. Yet they sort of, with their collective performances, have looked to cover it up. Whereas Australia, with the strength of their team, have done the opposite. They play, they performed worse than what they would do on paper. So, do you still believe that they are one of the you know the best test team out there, or do you think that this is exp- yeah? What do you think? Yeah, I think. In this Ashes series, even though it's Tool and, um, and and Australia have retained the Ashes, I still think England would be the happiest side off this. Because I think as this Ashes series has gone on, Australia has sort of gone down, I think, a little bit. But England, you know, have gone up. So that's obviously very positive for England. But I think, you know, with the team, you said, um, you know, England have a fairly inexperienced top order this, you know, Pope was injured, so you know, he's still trying to work out who's at three. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I think England have been. I think England have done really well this series. I wouldn't. I would say it's more that England have improved rather than Australia have um, sort of gone down. But yeah, I'd say there's been a little bit of Australia have sort of gone to their shells at times. You know, got a few days here and there. They've gone to their shell, and that sort of letting and England pounce on that very well. And that that that's meant that um, you know they, they can win test matches and they can bring the series back to two all. Um, but I think I, I'd give more credit to England rather than saying that Australia have gone down. Um, but yeah, I think questions that you have to ask England now is you know Stuart Broad retired, um, Anson you know, he's not going to hang around too long. You know maybe a couple more series and then he's probably going to be out as well. He's probably going to retire as well. And Moen Ali we're probably not going to see him. Later as well, so you know the, 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 those couple of um, you know, gaps you have to fill later on. But yeah, I think overall England would definitely be the happier side after the Ashes series. And I think that I just think that with with England, they they may be the happier side, but they they will hundred percent be regretting the fact that they did have chances to outright win this series, especially at the start of the series. You know, this the thing with. There was obviously those captaincy decisions by Ben Stokes, you know, declaring uh, at early at the end of day one and giving the bowlers like a three or four overs to bowl um, uh, under the lights and and the very end of the um, at the very end of the day, which in the end was just pointless. But I just think that I just think that you know forget about the captaincy decisions because captaincy is tough. Obviously, none of us can you know we we know the, the obviously the stakes of the ashes and all that and the pressure and obviously Ben Stokes that maybe one bad captaincy decision but there's been ten other good ones to you know to sort of, to balance it out so that's not really an issue. But I think you know I think it also has exposed the side of basketball where you know that people don't talk about enough where they they score those sort of like average two fifty three hundred that type of test score 
they score in like 50, 60 overs. So you score at five and over. But it's not enough against a team like Australia. And I don't think it will be enough against a team like India when they play in India in January in a five-test series to actually, you know, put pressure back on. It's sort of like, it's it's that type of score that, you know, India will get somewhere near, India will get something around that score and then it just be, you know, and then just be back to square one. It's They're not going to have a big lead. In England, against teams like, in order to to, to squash teams like India, you're going to have to, you know, you want to be getting a 100-run lead, 200-run lead, so then you can put pressure, you know, scoreboard pressure. So do you think that's going to be a feature of basketball and the way that England play in India as well? Do you think they're going to score those, like, you know, smaller scores, but score them quickly? Or do you think that, uh, do you think that do you think that's an issue, or do you think that's just part of the way they play? Yeah, I think the the main idea of basketball was to let's take a classic uh, test innings. You know, let's say a team um, scores three hundred in around ninety overs. I think that that's you know it feels like a classic test innings. I think um, the idea of basketball was to sort of try and bat in and around that sort of area eighty ninety overs, and then but but score much more than three hundred. You know, four hundred five hundred. I think that was sort of the main idea of battle, but you know, you want to, um, you know, what's happening now is that they're kind of getting, as you said, the sort of average um, test score, 250, 250, 300, but getting it very quickly. And that leaves a load of overs out there, meaning, you know, you're definitely going to get a result now because, um, you know, you're, you're, you're probably going to get a result because that leaves a lot of overs there for England to bowl, uh, the other team to bat. Um, Having said that, you know a lot, lot of tests, tests um, that England have played with basketball. I've gone to the last day as we saw yesterday, for example. Um, but yeah, I think you know it definitely could be a problem because if you're scoring that quickly, there's obviously the risk with basketball that you could, you know, I mean, it hasn't happened much yet, but you could collapse. You know, you could get fifty, sixty all out suddenly um, because you know you're facing a really good bowling attack, playing you know with, with this basketball approach as possible. Um, so there is that sort of risk to it. But, you know, if you're scoring 250 in 50 overs, for example, that's probably not going to be enough um, in some somewhere like India um, against some a team like India. You know, they, they've been looking quite strong recently. Um, but, yeah, I think the whole idea of basketball was to try and, you know, play out a similar amount of overs that a classic testings would have, but um, score much more runs. Um but yeah, yeah, I think that was but that would have been the main sort of aim, and that's what they've got to keep working towards, rather than getting score, um, rather than scoring two fifty, three hundred in fifty, sixty overs, which you know could I, th- I think could be a problem. I think the key key thing about all of this is the fact that you're if you get all out for three hundred and fifty overs, you're sort of giving the next you know the next innings for the next team thirty, forty extra overs, and that means that. Obviously, you'll get a result, but you know it's a chance of you getting a result you don't want. You know it's it, it's it's higher, and you're putting pressure on your bowling attack to get these. You get you're basically saying, okay, we're going to give you are going to give the other team an extra thirty overs to bat, but you're also going to get them all out with that time, which means that if they're a good batting t- team, realistically, the extra overs are going to be a, the benefit for the bowlers for those with those extra overs is less than the benefit for the batters. Batters have extra time, and if they dig in and start scoring, even if they start slowly. You know, a team like India could probably amass a good, you know, 400 and 100 overs just over, just by the progression of an innings. And I think that's the key part of Test Cricket and that's something that the basketball style has sort of got to, sort of, it's got to still hinge upon because, you know, even you don't have to score 400 or 400. If you want to score 500, sure. But 
it's the fact that an innings requires progression. So there's going to be, you know, even if England start strong and score, you know, a hundred in the first session, they will ha- there'll be periods of time where they will slow down a little bit, but they've got to be able to come back up. And I think that for me, the, my one criticism of Basball would just be sometimes the recklessness in the bat in the batting, especially especially when you want to, you know, bat out a certain amount of overs or you have an idea of, you know, we want to get to the end of day, you know, if if I'm if I'm batting. Uh, if we're doing the first innings, uh, first innings, first team of uh, first innings, you want to get to the end of day one or get to the end of, you know, maybe near near to the, the second session of day two. But I think that the recklessness, you know, the, especially with the middle and lower order sometimes, where they just sort of feel like, okay, you know what, let's just have a swing at it. You know, if we get out, it doesn't matter. Then they just suddenly start folding. I think England need to realise that there's a, there's a, you need to bat a time. You have to, because... Time is equally as important as runs in Test cricket, I think, and I think that's just a, and I think that's just something that England have sometimes slipped up on. They haven't batted long enough because they've sort of just been reckless at the end, and they thought, you know, what's the point in hanging around here? What's the point in defending a few and going at two, three, and over for like ten overs with a lower order? Let's just swing, let them get out, and get to bowling. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That sort of approach. Yeah, it's. I, I felt sometimes England. You know, there have been times when I think England have been batting and they, they, you just have no idea what they're trying to do. They're, they're going a bit too hard sometimes. And, you know, you're, you're, you're someone like Harry Brook, he's a young man, but sometimes I think he tries he tries to go too hard too early on. And, you know, he might, he's crossed one up in the air or snicks on pass or something happens and, you know, they just start losing wickets. Um, so I think, you know, England with this basketball approach, I've got to keep it within reason, I think, you know, and make sure you're still sort of like, you know, we want to be here by the end of day one um, or be here by the end of by the end of this session. You know, I think that that's got to be sort of how they play it out rather than go, you know, we're just going to go as hard as we can for as long as we can and see what happens. I think there's, they've got to, at, at times it's sort of been they're sort of searching their way through it rather than actually going, like, this is exactly where we want to be. Um, you know, after, after this many overs, so I think that's how they sort of want to uh, play it. I'm not saying they haven't done it at all. You know, it's just been at times I think um, you know they've been sort of sort of searching their way through things um, by trying to go too hard, too you know, too quickly. So you know, I think that that's something they they definitely want to keep within reason. I think. I think I think you're right, and I think that's something for them to consider. But you know, we've obviously talked about the batting. Yeah, the bowling, there were some interesting things in the bowling throughout the series. You know, for me, I think the highlight of it was this like sort of, uh, it was not like it was new. It had already existed in test cricket, but it wasn't, hadn't been at the forefront of a, of a team as interesting and exciting as basketball. The whole short ball, you know, ploy, the whole, you know, coming to Lords, you know, the home of cricket, like you'd expect the you know, bowlers pitch it up, you know, get it swinging. You see some, you know, pro- classic test innings in terms of bowling and batting. But then we saw this like, Really weird short ball display where you know you have a you have a short leg. You've got your catchers on on the leg side. Got um you know three fielders behind square deep on the leg side. It was it was really interesting. And I thought you know and for the Australia when they did it, they had players bowling you know eighty five plus even nineties. When England did it, they had bowlers bowling at seventy eight to to eighty three eighty four, with the exception of Josh Tuck. And I thought and. and and the fact that it worked for both teams, even it worked for England, was interesting. You, know, what do you think? Do you do you think that short ball, you know, that the way of pl- that sort of field setup, that way to take wickets, is going to be more prevalent in 
test cricket in general? Or do you think it's more of like an England-Australian type of thing? Yeah, I think in this Ashes series, nobody expected so much of that to happen. You know, it's obviously going to happen every now and again. They're going to you know, deploy that short ball tactic. But, you know, it's happened so much. And, you know, it's not just you know someone like Mark Wood's done it or for Australia, someone like Pat Cummins or Stark because they have, you know, they, they've got pace. Um, it's, it's not been that. It's been every single bowler, um, every single fast bowler that's been trying to do it, even if you're bowling in the low 80s or mid 80s. Um, they've, they've still been trying to do it. So, and, and it's worked, as you said, and which is really interesting. I think it's something that's going to um, be increasingly, you know, it's going to increasingly enter test cricket more, more and more. Um, you know, I think it's not just between England and Australia. I think it, there, there is that little battle, um, well, not a little, massive battle between England and Australia. And I think, you know, it, it'll be, it, it, it is something that's going to hang around there a lot, that short ball tactic. But I think it, it will sort of spread out into the uh, to the rest of the test world as well, um, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you know, some, somewhere like Lords, yeah, as you said, you expect them to sort of use the conditions, um, use a slope, um, trying to pitch up, get swing and try and snick, snick, snick the batsman off. But instead, you know, we're seeing this short ball tactic used so much um, and it's worked as well. So, yeah, really, really fun, really interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that's going to um, enter test cricket much more. Um, I think, um, you know, just because it, it, it's aggressive bowling. and That's sort of what England have brought, sort of brought with their basketball, aggressive batting, aggressive bowling. And it's sort of, you know, um, the batting side is nobody really wants to use that, but I think sort of with bowling, you want to be as aggressive as possible. So I think um, you know, the short ball tactic will be used much more, but I think you know it should be used within reason. I think it's been at times I'd say it's been used a little bit too much by England, I'd say especially. But yeah, in general, I think it's been used a little bit too much at times. But yeah, I'd definitely say it's a good tactic and it's definitely going to test cricket a bit more. For me, another surprising thing about just bowling in general it was Australia and how they would combat, you know, England scoring at five and really try to push on. If you look at Old Trafford uh, in the fourth test, even the fifth test at the Oval, it, there was a lot of helplessness, a lot of clueless in the way they, the cluelessness in the way they, uh, the way that Pat Cummins sort of, you know, tried to combat England scoring, excuse me, so so quickly, and and I thought I was surprised by it because. You know, Pat Cummins himself is a smart cricketer and he's, you know, a very good bowler. But, like, it seemed as if, you know, they, they, because the fact that all, you know, Cummins, Stark especially, even Hazelwood and Boland are all quick bowlers. They both weigh, you know, 85 plus. Uh, and I think that that sort of just, you know, that didn't help them whatsoever. And, and I felt like they sort of, you know, they, they weren't enough, they weren't consistent enough, any of them really. There weren't enough good deliveries. And especially Boland, who got, because of the fact that he was a, a, a very line and length bowler, and that's what makes him so good. When he played against Basball and England, you know, the whole the key part of Basball was to, you know, disrupt the bowler's line length by moving around in the crease. Then Boland didn't know what to do. Then he went to, you know, then he, he lost his line length. And then after that, you know, if he loses line length, then what's the point in him even bowling? And I just think that, I was surprised by how Australia, I don't think they bowled enough good balls to get England out of those innings. And I think that, that, you know, with England, it wasn't that case. With England, when they were bowling to Australia, they did bowl good balls. It's just that they, they, they bowled good balls for a huge, you know, like a long spell of you know, 20, 30 overs. Very, very good balls. And they got, they made Australia go into their shells as batters. But Australia could do the same thing to England. And that was what really surprised me. 
Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. In test cricket, it's not it's not in in, in cricket in general. It's not all about pace. Um, especially these days, it's not all about pace. You know, if, if you're the quickest ball in the world, it's still not gonna you know basketball can face it these days. So you want to bowl your good lines and lengths and be consistent, really. Um, yeah, but basketball has. The idea of basketball is to sort of put someone like Scott Boland, who, as you said, is, is a line and length bowler, you know, put him off his line and length and you know, make him change something. And I think um, Australia sort of felt that pressure and, you know, stuff stuff that they tried to change, it just went a bit wrong. You know, Pat, as Pat, as you said, you know, Pat Cummins, I think um, you know, the issues he kind of had uh, trying to combat England's batting, you know, I think that was, um, I think that was more down to his sort of the work that he's had over the past month, month and a half. You know, it's been so much all starting from the um the Test Championship final. He he's played six test matches in a row. Um captaining and being a fast ball, that's a lot of workload. Um so yeah, that's a huge workload I think. You know, you're you're on the field, you're thinking about who's gonna ball next, what the fielding position is, and suddenly a ball goes past and it's it's four overthrows. Um you know, I think that that's what has sort of um been a little bit of a difficulty for Pat Cummings. But yeah I think, you know, basketball has its brilliant, um, you know, works in its own way, um, puts bowlers off it, off, off their line of length. And then, you know, Australia sort of looked like they were struggling at, some, at one point, you know, and especially in the fourth test, I think, you know, they, they just couldn't find their way. And um, uh, Rain, Rain saved them in that. But yeah, I'd say, you know, um, in test cricket, you know, it's not all about pace um, because batsmen can face it these days. It's all, all more about consistency and line of length. I think that I think the series is is really interesting because we've sort of seen a new for both teams sort of seen another dimension. We sort of see England become more smart as as a team, and and I think they've they've shown that they have what it takes. They've it's not just because we saw basketball against teams like New Zealand, Pakistan, home and you know in some dead flat pitches, and we saw some brilliance from them. But then now we've seen it against you know arguably the best team in the world or one of the best teams in the world, and. It's sort of given England proven credentials. It means that the series against India generally is going to be even more, you know, significant because they're going away to India and they generally have a, you know, a good chance of winning. And then with Australia, you see that there's still a good amount of work to do, and there's going to be some change in that team, especially looking at you know someone like David Warner, um, who would be he's going to be retiring soon, and we know that he, he plans to play until 2024 World Cup, but he, you know, for all we know, he could be dropped before then. And then you've got, um, there needs to probably needs to be another look at, um, obviously Nathan Lyons injured, and then he's got to come back. Even England have, you know, Jack Leach to come back, Ollie Pope to come back. So it's, it's quite an interesting series, but I think it's been a really, I think it's been a really good series for Test Cricket. And I think that it's been something that Test Cricket's needed because it's just that we've sort of seen a bit of, you know, Test Cricket, is only played by a few teams. It's not played by every team. And I think that we just sort of need it to kick a bit of, you know, interest and show that, you know, test cricket can, it's not just draws. It is results. It is good, high quality cricket. It's interesting cricket as well. And every, and all the um, stadiums all packed for um, all the tests. And that was really amazing to see. And it's something, you know, or you haven't seen you know, a lot in test cricket, especially if you go back a few years uh, in England, you know, there would be, you know, it's never been as full as this. And it's never been as closely watched as this. But at the same time, it is, this is just between England and Australia. And they're, they're only one of very few teams. And one of those includes India, where they can have five test series and afford to have it. A lot of the series have been shortened. I know loads of teams like, you know, Sri Lanka, Pakistan and stuff, they have to have shorter 
series because it's test cricket is expensive. It's not, but it doesn't make you money. It's a loss, but they can't have five test series. They have to have shorter three or two test series. So, you know, it's sort of a, it is, it is different, but I think it's been overall a good watch. And I think it's been, you know, very worth, I think it's been really worthwhile for anyone following it. And I think it's, you know, it's properly, it's delivered to what we expect from an Ashes series. But yeah, I think that's it for the end of this episode. We will have another episode, um, which will be released alongside this one uh, about um, the future of England's bowling attack after Stuart Board's retirement. So, um, you know, switch if you're if you're listening to some more you know high quality cricket uh, cricket stuff, then go along and have a listen to that. But thank you, Zaid, and we'll see you on the next episode.